Hey, good morning, good morning, and good morning. It is, this is me, by the way. Don't at me. It's a big in Tuesday, that's right, on uh, our show in Indy. We celebrate big and fat. We do. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? And I'm wearing my 4X t-shirt today. Hope everybody is having a wonderful morning, wherever you're joining us from. Hope the boys and gals on the YouTube chat get after it a little bit today. Call me a variety of names and have a wonderful time. Headlines today, but I got to tell you what this show is about today. I got my five favorite sitcoms. You know, on Tuesdays, we do a five, I'm moving up here. We do a five, uh, a list, five for Tuesday. And today I got my five favorite sitcoms. How about that? Of all time. There's a lot because I am a big fat Dupayash sitter. I will sit and I will watch and I know me some sitcoms. We'll get into that. We'll get into the Warriors. We'll get into Draymond Green. Why is Brittany Griner still in prison? We will also talk to the great Ryan Burr. A lot of sports, government stupidity we'll get into at around 1030. But first, ladies and gentlemen, the big story of the night, the Warriors. Now, I have a take on the Warriors that you are not going to like because Draymond Green is everybody's hero. But Draymond Green is the way of the Warriors. Now, here's the deal with Draymond Green. you got to understand this. The world is afraid. The sports world is afraid of Draymond Green. Draymond Green will come back at you. Draymond Green is loud. Draymond Green will go on Collins. Uh, what is it? The volume his podcast series, and he will crush your soul. I don't care. Draymond Green's getting in the way of his teammates. Saw it last night when he came back in the game. The entire body language of the Warriors, if it is possible, uh, shrank. And then he started acting like a damn fool. And everybody on his own team was like, man, we got to go over in the corner again. He's acting like an idiot, and he's not playing well enough. Yeah, he had a pretty good first half. But we're talking about a player who's over-under with six and a half. Uh, he is in the way in this series. Now, maybe he gets out of the way. But if I was Kerr, I would say, hey, Draymond, I won't hurt your feelings because I know you're very sensitive. But you're getting in the way of us winning here. He's not really doing anything defensively. He's out of position. I'm watching right here a guy hitting a three, and it was his man. He just walked off of him. But the truth of the matter is Draymond Green is getting in the way. This is not the series. Now, Draymond Green may, in fact, be the most valuable player in the next game, and they may close it out. But at this point, Draymond Green, my ass. I'll tell you right now, he's in the way. I mean, his teammates got to be like, man, we're just trying to win a game, and you're acting like a fool, trying to not give the ball or take the ball away from Jason Tatum. You're jumping around. Now, they love him, and nobody will ever say this, and absolutely nobody, and I mean nobody, broadcasting on ESPN is smart enough to know this. They don't, and they're all in pocket with Draymond because they all want to be part of the show. I mean, if you don't think Wilbon and Rose uh, and uh, Greenberg and uh, whatever the other guy, Stephen A. Smith, want to be part of it, you're out of your mind. Number one, they don't know. But watch, I'm telling you, if you go back and watch that game, watch when Green comes in late. Uh, let's see here. Jordan Poole's cooking. Andrew Wiggins is cooking. The game changed when Klay Thompson started making some threes. And if you go back to Twitter, that's exactly what I said had to happen. But I'll tell you this, man, they are on top of Klay Thompson. Steph Curry didn't hit a bucket. Hit a bucket from three. First time since I think I was a child that Steph Curry didn't hit a three in a game. But I'll tell you who did, man, Andrew Wiggins. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll continue to say it, and I will not stop saying it. 
Picking up the former first pick in the NBA draft when he's still in his prime was absolute genius by the GM Myers. I mean, genius. You don't go get kind of a guy. You don't worry about like Jordan Poole developing. You go get that guy. The number one pick in the draft. See, uh, now this is why Draymond Green is the guy. Because I'm looking at TV right now. Who's got the headset? Who's got the mic? Draymond Green. What's he doing? Bitching. Telling you, he's in the way. Wasn't in the way in the first half, got in the way in the second half. You know, you got a bunch of dudes that are trying to win a championship, right? And then you got Draymond Green acting like an idiot. You got Draymond Green wanting to be a media star. I don't know what to tell you. And they don't feel this way. They don't. Like, there's no way that publicly Clay Thompson and and Looney and all these guys are going to say it. And even privately, they probably don't say it. But it's clear as day. And you are not going to hear that anywhere because everybody, uh, frankly, that covers the NBA is kind of dumb when it comes to basketball, (laughs) except for Charles, Kenny, and Shaq. Uh, Everybody on ESPN is kind of dumb. They got their own, like, you know, thing going where they're trying to, you know, be people. They're trying to be guys. They're trying to, you know, make their own way instead of being a team. But you won't hear it because they don't know. They don't know. But got in the way yesterday. Didn't affect the game because, well, frankly, the Celtics became discombobulated. And not because of Draymond Green. Uh, They became discombobulated because, frankly, they just aren't good enough. And they know now they're not good enough. Doesn't mean they're not going to come back. Doesn't mean they're not going to come back. No, in fact, they probably will come back. Probably play really well, but they're not going to win game six. Eh, they're not doing it. And their coach can wear a mask at a press conference all he wants, and they're not going to win game six. But watch what happens in game six. It'll be interesting. Draymond Green is fouling out. Uh, he fouled out again. And he's become a bit of a, uh, I'm telling you, game was decided when Klay Thompson started banging in shots, no question about it. Game was uh, then decided when the Celtics pretty much stopped doing what they did and they spread out. But watch what I'm telling you with this. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. That's why they pay me big money right here, because I'm smarter than everybody else. (laughs) Just kidding. But anyway, uh, man, he's getting in the way. Even my wife's like, wow, dang, my wife's like a legendary coach, knows more about sports psychology. She goes, look at how his teammates react to him now. Now it's like, that's what it is. We got to go help him. He's our brother. He's our friend. But, come on, man. (laughs) That's exactly how it is. So there you go. That's my take. It will be the Celtics, I think, in six. Got to see what transpires between now and then. You know, one thing you never do, ever, and we learned this in the Super Bowl. I forget the guy's name, but he was a cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons. This is going back a ways. He was the man of the year in the NFL. He got arrested for prostitution the night before. I'm not saying anybody's going out and hanging with prostitutes. I'm not saying that. But between now and game time, you can get hurt. Between now and game time, something can happen. You got to be careful. When you got these kind of, you know, there's a few days in between. You got to be very careful. Indiana basketball, I can't tell you what's going to happen at IU basketball until after Halloween because guys act like idiots on Halloween. It's the way of the world. But Draymond Green, man, he's become a star. He's buying his own stuff. Good thing for the Warriors. The other team is not quite good enough. All right. 
Let's talk about Phil Mickelson coming back to the U.S. Open. Now, we're going to get in-depth with this, with the always controversial, by the way, uh, bigger on Ryan Burr, the always controversial Ryan Burr. He and his partner at the golf, uh, ESPN Golf, called the LIV Tour, the retirement tour. We'll talk to Ryan about that. But Phil Mickelson came back, and this is how dumb media people are. Phil Mickelson looks contrite. Phil Mickelson looks sad. Phil Mickelson looks like he made a mistake. No, you know what Phil Mickelson's doing? He's acting. He knows what he's got to do. He can't come back there all cocky going, hey, man, not only did I make a couple hundred million, not only did I now have the opportunity to still play in the majors, i.e. the U.S. Open this week, but I got a chance to make even more money, travel the world, and I don't have to deal with you folks if I don't want to. But see, media is so dumb. I was reading the headlines on Mickelson. And we're going to get to Phil's video right here in a minute. But I, I, I was reading the headline. A despondent Mickelson. I'm telling you, man, the media, they're idiots. He ain't despondent. I watched this video. He's acting. He's been crushed. This is his chance to make amends. I guarantee you he walked back to his luxury suite or his Airbnb with six pools and went, hey, got him, didn't I? Hi, what'd you think? That go pretty good? A despondent Mickelson. All right. He played a little victim here. Hey, uh, Dylan, let's hear from Phil, shall we? Let's hear a little Phil. I would say to everyone that um, has lost loved ones, lost friends in 9-11 that I have deep, deep empathy for them. Um, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I um, have the deepest of th- sympathy and empathy for them. Well, that was the 9-11 part. And there's a lot of elements to the press conference. And this is, I'm not, I, I would argue that in that particular video, he was sincere. In all this other part, uh, one of golf's most prideful champions, Phil Mickelson, appears despondent. Yeah, okay. Mickelson lost the press conference on the U.S. Open on Monday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing the level. I, again, I hate to harp on this because it's just too easy. But, look, I've been in a lot of these deals, baby. I mean, a lot of these deals, not, not 9-11 deals. And I know that somebody can certainly come in and they can certainly parse my words. But a uh, Riggs, worst press conference I can remember. He looked uncomfortable, sounded defensive, and said basically nothing. He looked extremely embarrassed. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Kyle Porter, CBS. One of the proudest champions ever has traded his service for a tremendous amount of money. Wait, let me see if I understand this. He traded his service for a tremendous amount of money. Isn't that what we all do? Kyle Porter, who's about 20 years old, listen to this. The price was high, but the cost which is the shame he now carries, was even higher. That's 
If you follow some guy named Kyle Porter, CBS, you're following a moron. But he is a pastor. That is the funniest. People just don't know what's real. People just don't know. Honest to God. You, you, you just don't know. Phil Mickelson was absolutely contrite when he talked about 9-11. But the other stuff? I love the PGA Tour and I got some great friends. What do you expect him to do? Like, this is where media is so stupid. What do you expect him to do? You know, he's been vilified. He's lost sponsors. I'm not, I got to tell you, I read what he said. And, hey, look, to each his own. If you think he should lose sponsors, good. If you don't think he should, good. There's a lot of people on both sides, whatever. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, man. People, all oh, the heavy, really? Heavy burden. He... He sold his soul for money. Really? Who does it? I mean, not his soul. It doesn't say soul there. He sold his services. Really? Do you? So Kyle Porter Jr., or whatever his name is, you don't sell your services for money? All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Like, I got no problem with Mickelson and his reaction to 9-11. That was actually not the video that I wanted up. But hey, good for Mickelson for addressing it. And let me ask you a question. Why do you think he addressed it? He addressed it because, frankly, uh, well, he has to get empathy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Mickelson must get empathy. He has to. And if he doesn't get empathy, when is he going to get it? Because he's not going to be on center stage. He will not be on center stage uh, next week, the week after, unless he wants to call a press conference. This is his time. So he's got to look contrite. The 9-11 stuff, good for him. You got to, you know, totally get it. That's, that is, what, here's what Mickelson did. Let me explain this to you. He went back with his team and said, okay, what is the most damaging to me? I mean, what's the most that, man, I'm going to, you know, I, I got to, well, 9-11 because, you know, that's what people are killing you. And all right, put that in there. What else? Put that in there. And all of a sudden, I mean, these idiots in the media that think he's supposed to come out here and look all happy and self-assured, no. 90% of that was an act. That's it. If you don't believe it, you just don't know. Uh, headline also, Lamar Jackson showed up at Ravens camp. Now, you're going to say to me, hey, double dizzle, and I'm going to say what? Why is this big news? You want to know why this is big news? I'll tell you why this is big news. Because freaking Lamar Jackson might be the best quarterback in the freaking NFL when he's right. What about Tom Brady? Tom Brady's old. He's going to show he's old this year. What about Joe Burrow? One hit wonder so far. What about Josh Allen? Told you about his eyes. He'll get him to the AFC Championship game, but he'll win in the Super Bowl until he figures it out. And then the list goes on and on and on. But that guy right there, most dangerous player in the NFL. So it's a huge deal. And look, my Colts are in the AFC. I want every quarterback in the AFC to hold out. 
I ain't mad about guys getting injured before they play the Colts. Look, here's the thing I've learned about, about sports. Just win, baby. That's right. Back in the day, I was all about, hey, you got to graduate. You got to do the right thing. My teams at Bowling Green, listen to this, actually had a writer come in. His name was Pappas, Nick Pappas. He was a, is a sports psychologist writing a book on deviance on college teams. He's a guy from my high school. He came in, interviewed my team. He said, Dan, I got to tell you, I've never interviewed a team like this. These are the best guys. They didn't even have any debauchery stories. I'm using them the other way to show what a good team is. That's how I ran my basketball team at Bowling Green. All right, but I learned, screw that. Just win, baby. Just win. Hey, there's nothing other than that. That's it. Just get some W's. Well, Lamar Jackson interferes with my Colts getting W's. Look, if the Colts play Mahomes and Mahomes is out, I ain't mad about it. If the Colts play the uh, the uh, Ravens and Jackson's out, I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about it. All I want it to happen. I don't want him playing because I, ju- I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody's career over. But, hey. If something happened the night before and you couldn't play against Colts, good. Well, don't you want competition? Don't you want to just beat everybody? I don't care about that. No. No, 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 no. I want to just win, baby. Period. Period. So Lamar Jackson coming back gets in the way. I think Lamar Jackson at 25 years old is the most dangerous football player to defend in the NFL. NFL guys call it, at least defensive coordinators call it an ambient player. What is an ambient player? An ambient player is a player that keeps you up at night. You got to take ambient to go to sleep. That's the ultimate ambient player. I love watching Lamar Jackson play. He's back. I'm happy. I don't like him against the Colts, but I love him against the Ravens. I love when the Ravens play the Steelers. My favorite game of the year, non-Colts division. Because those are two battling ass teams. It'll be different with whoever's a quarterback in Pittsburgh, but that guy playing makes me happy. Speaking of play, did you see this? Two more women have filed suit against Deshaun Watson reportedly, according to news stations down in Houston. Two more. No, no, no. Not the 22 that made it 24. This is 24 plus two making it 26. Two more. How about that? I Look, I don't know what the truth is. You don't know what the truth is. These folks know what the truth is. We don't know what the truth is. Media don't know what the truth is. But I got to tell you, the truth is coming where can the Browns play Deshaun Watson? Can they play him? I don't know, man. I got to tell you, if I am in the Browns organization or I am the man in charge, Haslam. Now, these two have not been filed as of yet, at least what I've read this morning. All right. But can you play him? Can you play Deshaun Watson? Uh, Watson's apparently going to be out there. I mean, 
Cleveland Cam. Cam Slam Savage. Let's have a great week of practice, Deshaun. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Let's have a great week of practice, Deshaun. I told you this the other day, and I'll tell you this again. The Cleveland Browns close their eyes, put their sheet covers over their head, and hoped it was all going to go away with a $230 million contract, a press conference in a fancy suit, and him showing up at workout the next day. Let's be honest. That kind of stuff works. 75% of success is simply showing up. Deshaun Watson just showed up. History says it's not a bad move. But the problem is this, and I'll keep saying this until something happens one way or the other. It ain't getting squelched. It ain't lowering. It's not like all of a sudden some women are backing out or there's some questions. These are high-priced lawyers. It's escalating. It's not boom, but it's escalating. You had an HBO piece. After that, a couple women said, I'm joining. Now you got a couple more. What will ultimately happen here is one of two things. One of two things, and it's this. Ultimately, ultimately, the NFL is going to get tired of reading about all of this. They say they are now in the penalty stage, not the investigative stage, but guess what? How are you not still in the investigative stage if more women come? The NFL is going to make an announcement at some point, I think, where they're going to say, hey, look, Sean Watson isn't playing pending more investigation. All right? Or what's going to happen is what happened last year. Do you remember? The Houston Texans could have played Deshaun Watson, at least publicly. I don't know what was going on behind closed doors, but they could have played Deshaun Watson. Now, let me ask you this. Women of Cleveland, Me Too movements, all this stuff, where are you? I say it again. If they trot Deshaun Watson out there, does Cleveland not care? Is that where we're at? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't because we have seen uh, over the course of time that whole, hey, you must believe the victim or you must believe women certainly uh, hasn't exactly panned out at 100%. And now, as a man with a stepdaughter, as a man with a daughter, as a man with a wife, an ex-wife, a mother, uh, I have a hard time not believing women. But having said that, it certainly has not panned out 100 out of 100 times. I mean, let's just be honest, okay? So let me ask you a question. Where are the women of Cleveland? I mean, is, is, is the, are the Cleveland Browns so, I don't know, uh, what's the right word? Are they so into winning these people that they don't care? I mean, is that what this is? I don't have the answer. I'm looking here, and I have not seen anything anytime, anywhere where anybody has said, hey, look, uh, we're having a march against Deshaun Watson. We're not happy with Deshaun Watson. I'm looking. I've not seen anything there, nothing. Zero.
zip, nada. So maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't know. Maybe this is not a big deal. And if it's not, hey, fine. You know, it always, when you go to the YouTube chat, you can go join us on YouTube. It always goes back to the little Libbies and Donald Trump. If Trump was innocent, so is Watson. Yeah, okay. I love it. Now, here's the caveat to that. The caveat to that is there are reports now, however true or not true, that Carolina is looking to pick up Baker Mayfield. So you're talking about Jacoby Brissett, who's a fine option. I've contended forever in the city of Indianapolis. Jacoby Brissett uh, got screwed by one guy and one guy, oh, two guys, and two guys, three guys. And this, uh, ultimately, Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard fell in love with Adam Vinatieri, the GOAT. Adam Vinatieri couldn't kick it from me to that wall straight by the end. Missed two of the easiest kicks, maybe three in his life. Cost the Colts two games. Instead of being 7-0, they were 5-2. and 7-0 to 5-2 is a big difference. Then Jacoby Brissett gets a little banged up. Next thing you know, he's out, and Carson Wentz or Phillip Rivers, whoever the hell I can't keep it all straight, is in. All right? So at the end of the day, I don't know how you possibly, possibly, at this point, sitting right here on the 14th of June, think that you're going to trot Deshaun Watson out there. Now, as I said, and you know, Cleveland's a weird town. Cleveland's a weird town. Sean Black, El Presidente, on our internet chat, on our YouTube chat, knows this. They want to win, baby. So if you trot him out there, even for a preseason game, I, and they're going to be, I don't know. I don't know, but I know this. I told a woman a year and a half ago, I wouldn't go in a pool with her. I used the word bitches to two guys and one woman. And man, oh man, the women's groups went nuts on me. Oh my God. <laughs> Never even mentioned the woman's name. I said, I'm not going swimming with you. I'm a married man. Where are the women's groups in this? I'm looking around. Where are they? Where's ESPN in this? Where are the women of ESPN? So vigilant, so strong, so against Sage Steele. Where are they? Sean Black, Cleveland doesn't care. They'll they'll take the Super Bowl if that means a PR nightmare. Oh, by the way, for you all, the Libbies have now moved to global warming because it's 100 degrees. They didn't say anything about three weeks ago when there was an ice storm here in Indianapolis. But you do you, Ed Rogers. Anything, right? Anything to get reelected? <laughs> anyway, I got a lot to talk to you people. I do. I got a lot to talk to folks about. Hey, uh, if you're counting, uh, ESPN, right, seven country. ESPN, ESPN. ESPN. Man, dudes, come on the show. And if you ain't one of them, baby, they're going to crucify you. I ain't one of nobody. I'm my own man. Today, biggins. That's big guns. It's hot outside. Sun's out, guns out. That's right. Hey, I was going to wear my Dan Dockage fan club shirt today, Sean, but it, it gets 
it, it kind of meshes with the background. I got a monster for you. I got an absolute monster for you today. Sitcoms. I got five. All-time sitcoms. Some of you may never watch them. Some of you may never heard them. Hey, I'm going to educate Ryan Burr on Phil Mickelson. I didn't see where Phil Mickelson was like these idiots at CBS and other places that say, Phil Mickelson is contrite. At what price, Phil? Shut up. <laughs> what else we got today? Oh, yeah, today in stupidity. You're not going to believe what a White Sox player did, a professional baseball player. You're not going to believe Montrez Harrell. You're not going to believe Gas. I, I got a mo- This is the best show in the world. This is. This is the best show in the country. I appreciate Outkick for having me. I'm fired up. We're going to take a minute break, and then we're coming right back. I didn't even get a swim in today, and then this kind of fired up. Everybody should live the Dockage life. Fired up and happy. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me. I am Dan Dockich. Uh, You'll see if you continue listening to the show. This is an interactive show. We got our little libbies on the YouTube chat. They get mad about everything. Uh, We got sensible people on the YouTube chat. We're all over OutKick. We're all over this this particular, what's the right word? Uh, medium, Dylan and Jacob and Davey and Ryan and everybody does a great job getting us out. You can follow us all day. I mean, these guys put out content all day. You know, I do this five for five list. And yesterday on my local show, we were talking about shoes. And I asked the question, if I buy Skechers, have I given up? Have I just given up? Have I just said, it's over? Like, I'm trying. I started on Sunday, a healthcare thing. I've been swimming. I'm, I'm going to go out and eat today. And I'm going to do a bunch of light workout stuff so I sweat, get the poison out. Because I had a big drinking weekend with my son playing golf. All right, I'm not going to lie to you folks. Eating, you know, having beers on the course, coming in after a couple beers. You know what I mean. But Jennifer on our local show, said, hey, you know what, Dan, that was a fun, light show. So I was thinking yesterday when they, when uh, Dylan hit me with my homework, uh, five for five. What are five things you want to talk about in a list? And I thought to myself, you know what? As I was watching a show that I really like, I was thinking to myself, what are the five best sitcoms that I've ever watched? Now, I preface this by saying, MASH pre-Harry Morgan. Those of you that are old enough, if you watched early MASH with McLean Stevenson, might be the funniest sitcom ever. It might be. I didn't put it on here because I figured you can't separate them, but everybody that's ever watched MASH understands you have to separate them. McLean Stevenson is one of the funniest dudes ever. It was irreverent. It was, you couldn't make it today. People would be bitching, whining, moaning. 
uh, Hawkeye and uh, BJ would have to be gay. You know what I mean? I mean, the whole thing. You couldn't make it, but it was a damn good show. All right, number five all time, Veep. I don't know if you've ever seen Veep, but Louis Julia Louis Dreyfus is the best swearer on television. No, let me say it again. No woman in the history of television, whether it is cable or whether it is network TV, has ever stringed together the swear words, the disgusting references, both about men and women, than Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm telling you right now, I go to Jason Benetti, the legendary announcer on all of these, because when the pandemic hit, he and I would talk damn near every day about what we're watching. I turned him on to Veep. I go, you got to watch Veep. Basically, every one of these I turned Benetti on to. Veep is the best written swearing comedy of all time. It's on HBO. You can go back and watch it. And I got to tell you, when Julia Louis-Dreyfus swears, it is literally Mozart. It is Beethoven of swearing. It is, it is like Eddie Van Halen's guitar. It's just better than everybody else. The characters are wonderful. Gary Cole is terrific. It's great. She's the vice president trying to be the president, becomes a president. It's, it's awesome. But even at that, if you don't like Veep, then good for you. But here's my thing. I love raunch. I'm not porn guy. I'm not strip club guy. I like me comedy that's raunchy. I like, whoa, did she say that? That's Veep. It is freaking awesome. Start at one, end it whenever it's over, laugh your brains out. I promise you, if you have a sense of humor and you're not Ed with a little stick up his backside worrying about global warming, or you're not some of these shavers that come on a YouTube chat or you're not a liberal that's got to win oh my god I'm so triggered I cannot believe that we can't have a march and and we can't be naked during our march how can we not be naked during our march we should be able to be naked during our march oh my god you're so freaking uh, hostile to us okay if you don't have a stick up your backside Veep is freaking awesome if you have a stick don't watch Uh, watch a Hallmark movie see what some old lady's doing Veep people Oh, my God, I can't believe she said that. Oh, my God, that's so rude. Bite me. Uh, This next one, I got to tell you. This next one, all through high school, this is all we quoted. You big dummy. It's the big one, Elizabeth. There is nothing funnier than Sanford and Son. A lot of people back in the day liked Archie Bunker. I get that. I was never an Archie Bunker fan. Didn't really, you know, I wasn't old enough uh, maybe to understand the political stuff. You know, I, you know, it was fine. It was on for a long time, and Archie Bunker is iconic. But this show right here, this show right here, make you laugh. Lisbeth, this show right here. Oh, oh, and the Grady comes in. When Grady comes in, you know you're just going to laugh. Now, look. I don't know what this makes me. 
I'm sure this makes me some kind of, if Sarah Spain had anything to say about it, she would say that I'm a bigot for liking Sanford and Son, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm a racist for liking Sanford and Son. But I got to tell you something. Me and my boys, we didn't like Sanford and Son. We loved Sanford and Son. When Fred G. Sanford started getting all over Esther, on Esther, man, we used the lines. When something bad was happening, it's the big one. I didn't kind of like Sanford and Son. To this day, I still watch Sanford and Son. Scatman Crothers was in Sanford and Son. If you don't know who Scatman Crothers is, you don't know. Can you imagine my guys on this YouTube chat, Ed Rogers? Oh, my God. Uh, well, you know, as a white man, this offends me. Shut up. Can you imagine? <laughs> if you don't have a stick up your backside, then you would like Sanford and Son. If, ladies and gentlemen, I should call this the top five, if you don't have a stick in your backside, comedies that you might like. If you have a stick in your backside, you will not like this. If you are trying to change the world, if you are trying... Oh, by the way, another stock down today. Go get him, Ed. Worry about global warming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's get some 12-year-old little girl out there to tell you, Greta's man! I don't care. Yeah, Greta this. Anyway. So good. So so good. Damn, Dan, how old are you? I'm old, baby. I'm old. When I was in high school, now Sanford and Son was before us, but they had reruns. They had reruns. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Wah, 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 wah. When Fred G came in, now the G stand for greatness. <laughs> What's that G stand for? Go home, dummy. Dan, not going to lie, this is a bit of an old people's show. Not sure if you can watch these now. God, no. You couldn't watch Sanford and Son. Now, these other ones you couldn't make either, and they're more recent. Let me go to another one. Two and a Half Men. You couldn't make Two and a Half Men now. Like, look, I'm not talking about Two and a Half Men with that guy. Austin Kutcher, my ass. Austin Kutcher, when Charlie Sheen lost his mind, when Charlie Sheen, for whatever the reason, decided winning in Tiger Blood and he wanted like eight bazillion dollars, and they said, Come on, Charlie, we're trying to make money here. And Charlie Sheen walked. It was the biggest mistake in television. They should never have let Charlie Sheen walk. Ever. Never, ever. Because this show, Two and a Half Men, was so funny with Charlie Sheen. I can't even begin to tell you. I can't. It was a riot. It is. I watch it every night. I can almost go verse by verse with you. I know he's a whoremonger. He's an alcoholic. Why is he around a young boy? Shut up. It's freaking awesome. It's not a little awesome. It's freaking awesome. I mean, like, if you watch Two and a Half Men... Not with Austin Kutcher. Start at the beginning. When Austin Kutcher comes in, yes, Austin Kutcher is awful. There's one, maybe two. 
Then they bring in a little kid. Then these guys are getting married. Buck. Buck. Bunk? Bunk. I meant to say bunk. But I'm telling you right now, Two and a Half Men is one of the best comedies in the history of comedy. Now, you're going to laugh at me. I never watched this show, not once. But my boy Benetti tells me he went back and watched the Golden Girls, and it was awesome. I don't know about that. I ain't watching the Golden Girls because I think I'm older than one of them now, and I don't like it. But Two and a Half Men on a daily basis, irreverent, funny, awesome. Numero Deuce. Seinfeld. Now, a lot of you have Seinfeld number one. Full confession here. When Seinfeld and friends were in their heyday, um, I, I didn't watch them. I think I was in college. I think I was just out of college maybe too. You think at Indiana University, when I had all this going on, I was going to sit at home on Thursday night and watch sitcom? Let me tell you something. Thursday night was for the men. That's right. Thursday night was a peanut barrel. Thursday night was we're going to go and get something done, maybe at a dime or nickel or penny beer night at the regulator. We ain't sitting around watching a comedy. Thursday night, we might have been in the gym playing two-on-two. Thursday night, we might have been down at Jackson Heights playing one-on-one on the court out there. Thursday night, are you kidding me? But now, since, I know every episode, now, since maybe, maybe as good a characters have ever, ever laid eyes in one show on a sitcom or maybe on any show. Like when you look at the final episode, whether it disappointed you or not of Seinfeld, when you look at all the characters, Babu, the soup Nazi, can you say that now without like Ed Rogers being offended? You said Nazi. Oh my God. You're a sympathizer. See, that's the way the world works. How good was Putty? How good was Jackie Childs? Who told you? <laughs> How good was, was Terry Hatcher? They're real and they're spectacular. You okay, Ed? I want to make sure you're all right, Ed, because, you know, there's an innuendo there. We're not saving the world. We don't have Greta Thornburg here. <laughs> they're real and they're spectacular. I often ask, and I'm curious your thought, who was the funniest character? I got to tell you, I saw Seinfeld do stand-up, and I didn't really like it. I didn't, eh. you know, it's fine. It's like, oh, yeah, it's good. I see, like, I don't know, Chris Rock do stand-up, and I cry. I see Dave Chappelle stand-up, and I cry. Oh, you're a transphobe. You like Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. But my favorite, I like Kramer. Oh, did you see what Kramer did after? Did you see the stand-up routine? You would like him, Doc. Yeah, I like Kramer on the show. I think he's great. I think he's the funniest dude to ever. I think, I think Cosmo Kramer is the funniest character to ever be on television. Now, you can go down whatever line you want to go down. You can say this guy, and that's your opinion. I think Red Fox as Fred G. Sanford is second. But I think Cosmo Kramer is the funniest character. Like, I'm surprised, although I probably shouldn't be, that they didn't have a spinoff. Like, I think Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld had an agreement with everybody. There's going to be no spinoffs. 
You know, Joey Tribbiani tried to do a spinoff. That had no shot. Spinoff sucks, except the Jeffersons. I did like the Jeffersons. Joni versus Chachi, my ass. But I did like the Jeffersons. I thought the Jeffersons were awesome. I did. I thought they were fan-freaking-tastic. I thought Good Times was fantastic. They had a spinoff, I think. Man, I got to... I am old now that I'm thinking about all this. The number one comedy in the history of television, according to me, the best written comedy in the history of television, according to me, the most relevant comedy. Because when they make fun of Obama, when Tina Fey makes fun of Obama for having done nothing, or when Tracy Jordan makes fun of African-American folks, It is absolutely gold. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is 30 Rock. It is the best written, funniest comedy ever. If you haven't seen it, you know it can't be made now. You would like that, Rockets. Yes, I would. I don't kind of like it. I loved it. Again, I watch either that or Two and a Half Men every night. Every night. There's a part in there, and I don't understand how this happened. Now, you got to understand, everybody, Alec Baldwin, Tina Fey, they're all so liberal, but they make fun of themselves. They're capable of making fun of themselves. There is a joke in this every nine seconds. Now, think about that for a second. Every nine seconds, they were clever enough to put a joke in there, and if you don't look for the joke, you may, it may pass you by. When they said the other day, I was watching, um, uh, you know, uh, Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Open change. Yeah. He, uh, what'd he do? Uh, he, 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 uh, he did that thing the, the, the one time with that guy in his eight years or in Tracy Jordan was mortified that he was going to be treated equal, equal to his white co-workers. It was awesome. It's so funny. It is absolutely so freaking funny. It is the best sitcom ever. Now, you got your own sitcoms, and I'm sure Ed Rogers likes the sitcom that shows, well, how they solve global warming and and how uh, the stock market is crashing and it's good for us and blah, 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 blah. I will shout out a couple others. I will shout out Curb Your Enthusiasm. See, to me, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I had to start three different times to watch. Seinfeld, The Office, I've never gotten. Uh, I've never gotten. I've just, I've never gotten it. I've never understood it. I've watched it. My wife loves it. Um, I've never gotten it. Never have. I know a lot of you have. I, I, I know that you all like it. I know you think it's great. I know you think it's, you know, but I don't. Uh, and it's my show. 30 Rock is the greatest sitcom of all time. In fact, I challenge you, Dylan. I challenge you to get Tina Fey on this show. I challenge you to get Mega uh, Jenna Maroney on this show. Uh, what's her name? Krakowski. 
I challenge you to get anybody from that cast. I don't think Alec Baldwin's going to be doing shows here, but I challenge you to get somebody from 30 Rock, Tracy Jordan, on that show. I never saw Flight of the Whatever or Eastbound and Down. But there you go. Somebody says, first few seasons are solid after four snooze. Could be. But I disagree. I will go to my grave unless something better, and you know nothing better is going to happen because you can't offend anybody. I'll give you one more that made it just outside, and it might be the best ever. It goes from just being outside to the best ever, soap. If you've never seen soap, let me tell you how good soap was. You know, we got all these whiny libs trying to cancel everybody and mad about everything. And, well, if you don't think the way that I think, uh, Ron Rivera is going to fine you $100,000. You know, we got all these crazy-ass people. Well, before this was the Catholic Church. Soap comes out. And if you don't know soap, it's Billy Crystal's first big role. He plays the gay son of rich people. First openly gay character on TV, and he is freaking hilarious. Nobody's got a stick up their backside, but here's the deal. Instead of guys like Ed Rogers or Ron Rivera, all these little shavers trying to, well, you're mad, you're bad, oh, horrible. No, 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 no. The Catholic Church in mass at St. Peter and Paul in the gym, the priests, I'll never forget it, said we are to not watch soap, And he listed the advertisers for this television show. And he said, please don't buy their products. Now look, my mother, the holiest of all women, my father, who would go along only when absolutely necessary, decided, all right, we're not going to watch it. I had a TV in my room smaller than this. I plugged it in. I turned, I think it was ABC, Channel 7 in Chicago. I watched me some soap in my room. Hilarious. Fastest half hour in the history of television. By the second season, my dad, my mom were all watching, and we couldn't wait for the next episode. It's a soap opera spoof, and it is the funniest ever. Now, Ed and the rest of you little shavers, you got a stick. I understand it. It offends you. They probably didn't, uh, I don't know, they probably used aerosol cans, so you're probably mad. I don't know. But I know this, when you turned on soap, I don't know what night it was. I don't even know what year it was. I know I was a kind of a little kid. You got everything you needed. There was a woman in there, a dingy woman. She was the, the, the wife of the house. She had a big character, Kathleen Hellman. Her name was Jessica. We called her, we had, and I have an aunt that we called Aunt Jessica, Aunt Jess, because she was as dingy as her. I'm just telling you, get yourself get 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 yourself a Betamax machine and go rent at Blockbuster or Video Classics. Go rent you some soap. Put that bad boy cassette in the Betamax machine and go see what the real world was about. Oh my God, can you imagine the uproar? How is he not talking about? Oh, we got. I don't know. How did you not get parades? How, the parades. 
Now what we do is, now we censor everything except, of course, the marches down the middle of Main Street where guys are dressed up in S&M bondage, whipping each other. Guys are riding around naked. But that's okay. But hey, hey, don't watch Blazing Saddles. Damn it. Don't watch Blazing Saddles. But it's okay. March right down freaking Meridian Street, naked as you want, lube, throwing out lube to little kids. That's okay. No problem. I got no problem. Same people that eat Tide Pods and look at Greta Thornburg. <laughs> God, I love this show. I like Cheers. I liked early Cheers. I do. I, I did like early Cheers. But, hey, look, uh, at the end of the day, uh, those are my five. I stand by them. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, Seinfeld would have been number one, but I've evolved. Can you imagine? (laughs) Hey, get on your bicycle naked. Put in, like, a bag full of lube. Throw it to kids. You four guys are going to march ahead in your bondage and I'm going to whip you with your assless chaps, and let's do it in front of kids, and that's great. We got no problem with that. Oh, that's awesome. No problem. But don't watch freaking a comedy show that offends me. Right. Don't say you won't go in a pool with a woman that isn't your wife. But hey, wait, you guys ready? You lined up? You got the assless chaps, you got the whip, you got the... You know, a guy actually had a ball gag, you know, walking down the street in front of kids. Ah, it's great. Let's do it, man. Awesome. Awesome. And that's okay. Sure it is. <laughs> that's what you want to happen. Good for you, man. I just, of the Golden Girls. Somebody just said the Golden Girls. I don't think I've ever watched one episode. I, I don't think I have. I should, but I haven't. But anyway, don't at me, people. In my world... In my world, in my world, not your world, my world, 30 Rock is the greatest show ever. Sitcom. Make something better. I, you see, you can't, though. You can't make something better because everything has to appease the Libbies that get mad about everything. We know that. You can't insult anybody. Oh, my God, somebody got insulted. Oh, why are there three white people on the screen together? That's not diverse. Well, it was only for five seconds. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Okay. Why is that couple uh, heterosexual? Why aren't they gay? I, I don't know. Well, why aren't they interracial? I, I don't know. I, I just thought the scene was funny. You couldn't, you couldn't make that today. <laughs> Ed Rogers' head's about to blow off. Ed's our new focus on the show because I love, I love, the one little Libby out there that loses his absolute mind over everything comes out here every morning and just loses his mind. Oh my God. And we ain't stopping. Uh, and thank you for listening and watching. When we come back, the ever controversial, the ever glorious Ryan Burr next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. I'm tweeting out stuff right now. That's right. All right, he's controversial. He's interesting. There should be or there will be at some point on this network. He's the perfect fit for this network. His name is Ryan Burr. He covers golf. 
for ESPN, but he's covered it for the Golf Channel. He's covered football, basketball, baseball. You know it. I've known Ryan forever. Uh, Ryan joins us. You made a little news, big boy. You were calling the LIV tour the retirement tour. What's up with that? Well, I mean, listen, uh, I want to make it perfectly clear that I'm not going to take ever put my hand in someone's wallet. And if someone's paying you millions of dollars, that's your choice to go. Um, but, like, there is a repercussion with going to play it because, you know, your Charles Swartzels, your Ian Poulters, your Phil Mickelsons, I mean, these guys are all close to 50 years old. And the reality is they can't compete anymore on the PGA Tour. They're not good enough. They're just not good enough, Double D. And when you take that reality and now the, a group of people are willing to pay you a whole lot of money, when you weren't going to make much money the rest of your life, like it is what it is. And, you know, the, the comparison I made, it, it reminds me a lot in, in my neighborhood. I have a lot of uh, ex major league baseball players because they were in Florida, you know, they played spring training here. They just decided to retire here. And, and many of them trying to scratch that itch of competition, they play softball. And that's kind of the comparison. I mean, now, there are a couple young guys that have gone. I would have probably counseled them differently because I'm not sure the money for them. And I'm going to speak to a guy that you probably never heard of, Taylor Gooch. Uh, he's a young guy, uh, an up-and-comer that I think would have – remember, the FedEx Cup winner gets a check for twenty-five grand next year – or $25 million. Next year, it's going to $50 million. Like, the PGA Tour is going to keep pumping the cash in here because they got to stay up with the Joneses. But, you know, I just, uh, boy, you're putting a big uh, X on you. It's only 54 holes, double D, which means this is the biggie. This is the biggie. Everyone says, oh, you can still play the four majors. That's all that matters. Well, that's not entirely true. Unless you've won a major, the, your qualification for a major championship is based on world ranking points. And guess what you don't get? in a 54-hole shotgun start, Double D, you get zero. That's with a Z. World ranking points, and I'm telling you right now, in six months, you will not see a single player that has left the PGA Tour to play the Live Tour inside the top 150 in the world ranking points, and it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. So, okay, you know, if you want to go to your local qualifier in Carmen, Indiana and try to play your way into the U.S. Open, or you, you, you know, you can do it that way. But like the the day and age of these guys being getting an automatic invite to the Masters and the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship and the Open Championship, those, unless they've won it, I think Phil's got a pretty good case. You know, Augustus has always honored past champions can play as long as they want, regardless of their world ranking. I think the guys that have won the Masters are in pretty good shape. You know. Uh, Bill won the PGA Championship last year. I think he gets five years with that. He's already 51. So he, you know, Phil Mickelson should be okay. As to these guys, you're not going to see him in the majors. Like Bryson DeChambeau, like that's a, you, you, he's going to fade away. Here, the other thing, the other thing on this, and like I said, you know, I probably take the money too. I'm not, I'm not disparaging the idea of going taking the money. I'm just saying, like. You're going to fade away. This is a story now. The five minutes of fame is just about up. This this outkick interview might be the last because 
they're just going to keep playing and it's not on TV and there's no real video and it's just going to disappear. And I would assume, Double D, that the Saudis are going to say, well, do we really want to keep spending a billion dollars on something that nobody cares about? Why are people saying it's an exhibition? Well, it's, they're saying it's an exhibition because golf has always been based on, you know, that's the one thing I loved from my kid about golf. I mean, you can never make the excuse or the coach didn't like me or I'm playing out of position or I was always better than Johnny, but Johnny, you know, Johnny's parents gave it in golf that your score is your score and you make the cut, you miss the cut, you qualify, you don't qualify. And that's not the case in this particular case. I mean, it's a small field. It's, 50, it's 54 holes, and, I mean, it's a competition, but it's more, you know, golf, championship golf has always been 72 holes. Now, you can argue who says that it has to be 72 holes. I mean, I'll listen to your argument. I'm just saying it, it does appear to be more of an exhibition with the shotgun start. I mean, just, you know, a shotgun start, you really have no idea what anyone's doing on another part of the golf course. It's just a little, little riggy for me. Will this get tweaked? Like, you know how most things start out one way, and you mentioned the shotgun start, you mentioned 54, no cut, all that kind of stuff. Will, will this – do you foresee enough behind it that I can say, you know, five years from now it's going to be different? Yeah, it will evolve. I don't know if it has five years, which is why I – for the young That's, guys, I also yeah. question the decision. I mean, like, I don't care how rich you are, and clearly this organization has what would appear to be almost unlimited money. But in my history and looking at history, there does come a time when someone just says, wait a minute, what are we doing here? We're, we're $2 billion in, and nothing's really changed. So that would be my concern. Now, you know, the, the pro live will tell you that, the mass exodus from the PGA tour has just begun. And as soon as they continue to take another 10 huge names that then it becomes relevant. The TV TV deals, not far behind. I mean, the TV deal is what's interesting because, you know, everyone's holier than now on, on the Saudi money. Although I believe our president is going over there to beg for oil. So it's kind of a tricky situation. Like, we technically ha- are running our cars right now with Saudi oil. So, you know, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. It's just like the, the, the situation obviously is that no sponsors are going to get behind it because of where the money is coming from. That's a big problem they have. Like if, you know, the fact that this doesn't have a name on it, when you think of every PGA tour event has a name of someone that's putting up, huge amounts of money do have their name on it now this week i did the rbc canadian open rbc is the title sponsor that is paying the pga tour and paying you know there's always money coming in massive amounts of money on the pga tour because sponsors want to be involved with that tour they want to be involved with the number one charitable professional sports organization in the world and it's a pretty good thing. It's a, you know, it's, you've been to golf tournaments. They're, they're, they've become a lot of fun in certain places. Now, certainly Canada this week was off the chain. I mean, it was fantastic. Some events are stale. And I think the PGA Tour 
will take this message and will evolve and become better because of a little competition. Uh, Ryan, what did, what did you make of Mickelson's press conference yesterday? See, I'm, can I stop you before you answer? I felt like what yeah. people are like, well, he's despondent. See, I think he was acting. I, I don't think you can come up there and be Mickelson. And, and I think when he got back in his plane or wherever the hell he went, you know, back to his suite, he said, yeah, how was that? You know what I mean? I, I He couldn't come up there and be all jovial, right? He had to be apologetic. No. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Phil, you know, Phil has taken this the worst. Now his wallet is probably taken it the best. He, I would assume he is the highest paid player uh, out there. And at 51 and with his transgressions off the course it sounds like he he needed you know a little bailout here um he said some really unfortunate things that you know listen you get away with it dan you're one of the few that that do get away with saying controversial non-pc things because the reality is in our country right now uh you you can't get crucified for for saying something a little outside the box and certainly phil took it on the chin all the sponsors left him. He had to skip the Masters. Like there's been, there's been repercussion for Phil Mickelson. And to your point of acting, I'm sure it's on Phil's mind that if he can somehow rewrite the narrative, image-wise, that those sponsors will come back. How many opportunities? You know, the, will the irony have? of it. Well, I mean, that's the problem or the beauty of this for Phil. He's 51. He did absolutely grab lightning in a bottle at Kiowa at the PGA Championship. I was emphatic on the record that he would never win again on the PGA Tour <laughs> because he just wasn't good enough. He proved me wrong that one week. I don't know if he's made a cut since. Uh, I mean, you know, he's 51. Father time is father time. Um, and now he's in a league where you play 54 holes and you get shuttled around in a golf cart. I mean, it's it's... It is what it is, but, you know, the reality of Phil is, you know, uh, and he's incredibly popular, and he's been great for the game of golf 100%. You know, you had the yin and the yang with he and Tiger and, you know, him signing all the autographs and always the smile and the joke, but he's 51. And if he was in some financial issues, as amazing as that would be, he's not anymore. And at 51... um, you know, Phil would tell you privately that he did what he felt he needed to do. And there's going to be a lot that say that, you know, he's taking blood money. And certainly you could make that case and that he shouldn't be in the situation he's in. And, and he betrayed the PGA Tour. And, and I would agree with all that. I think you can have it both ways. You mentioned Taylor Gooch. I do know who Taylor Gooch is, so just stop it. And the reason I know is because you've educated me a lot on golf in terms of not playing because I would whip your ass, but in terms Betty, of yeah, the, you know, the, the players. Uh, young guys, Kevin Nod, Taylor Gooch, these guys. Like, I get where Mickelson or a guy that's won a major or two and wants to come back, but I got to tell you, man, I – I don't get younger guys doing this. I really, unless he's just done, I don't know. I don't get Bryson DeChambeau doing this. What about Dustin Johnson? Where are you at with him doing this? Not surprised 
Uh, DJ's older than you think. Uh, DJ's put his body through a lot. Uh, he's lived a hard life, so he's in, he's older. I think that for DJ, it's there. You know how much time was really left? Would he win again? He probably would win again. I mean, he's, he's still competitive. Uh, he hasn't won since the Masters in 2020. It's the longest stretch in his career without a win, and obviously that's not going to change unless he you know wins the U.S. Open or the Open here, and then you're not going to see him again except on the live deal. Um, so I I actually do point kind of put him in that retirement league. I think that that you know for a lot of these guys. Uh, hitting balls eight hours a day and 100 degrees, seven days a week, 360 days a year, and they've done that since they've been eight. Uh, they're looking for they're looking for an escape. They're looking for a parachute, and and at of that age, and I kind of put DJ in that mix. I mean, he hasn't won since 2020. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of top ten since 2020. Like, you know, there's there there is something to be said that. When you get old, especially the guys coming up, and this is what the tour, I made this argument for the tour. I don't think the tour would really ever even have, I mean, could they, they couldn't withstand like if top 20 players all went, that would, that would obviously be tragic. But the reality is their TV deal. It's the only major sport that's on network TV every single weekend of the entire year. So you got that going for you, and the reality is every day, you know, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns are superstars, superstars. No one would have picked either out of a grocery store checkout line six months ago, and now they are on their way to $500 million careers because that's what the PGA Tour, that's, that's what they allow you, that's the platform the tour gives you that this other organization doesn't give. And that is every Sunday when the week's winding down, there are a lot of people that four o'clock on Sunday, turn their TV on as their week's winding down. They go to work or school on Monday and every Sunday they pop the PGA tour and Scotty Scheffler wins Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, who's the Scotty Scheffler first win. That was pretty cool in, in Phoenix, crazy wild scene in Phoenix. And then, he wins again, and he wins again, and he wins the Masters. He's got four wins before May, and Scotty Scheffler is a superstar. Sam Burns has won three times. Good-looking kid, All-American from LSU. I mean, these guys, you know, just like it happened for Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, and it happened for Rory, and it happened for Phil and back in the day. I mean, they come up as 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds, and you win a lot. And you build a fan base and the tour will constantly be doing that. And if, you know, Bryson DeChambeau isn't in the field, I'll be honest with you. No one's going to miss him to the point where they would watch or not watch. Because the beauty of golf is even if DeChambeau's in the field, the metrics would tell you it's 12% chance that he's going to finish in the top five and be part of the narrative on Sunday. So even when all those guys are playing, 90% of the time, you don't even see him on Sunday because they're not part of the story. So will the tour miss DeChambeau? I mean, they'll miss him because, you know, he hits it a mile and he's, he's you know, has fans or whatever. But I don't think you'd ever have a person that watched golf or didn't watch golf because Bryson DeChambeau is not playing the PGA Tour anymore. I mean, the one guy that does that is Tiger. So if Live Golf had gotten Tiger, 
you'd have a problem because Tiger still, even on one leg, moves everything and always will. Uh, you know, he's Jordan. You know, he's, he's, he's one in a million, and there's not another one, which is, you know, probably lucky for, for everyone right now because who knows what would happen. But, you know, Tiger turned it down, and you're going to see Tiger. I don't know how, many, how much more he has left because of these injuries, but the reality is you will see him on the PGA Tour, and that brings eyeballs and introduces those eyeballs to the new stars. Hey, Ryan, um, I do want to go – I'm going to go devil's advocate for you for just a second. There's an article that I read this morning. What – there's a the, – the, the PGA Tour gives a PIP rating, right? It's some kind of social yes. media rating. And, yes. and the number one guy is Tiger. Number two guy is Phil. Number five guy is DeChambeau. Number seven guy is Johnson. And number ten guy is Bubba Watson, who hasn't committed but apparently has done videos, at least according to this article. So you have one, two, three, you have four of the top ten most popular guys leaving. Uh, I agree with you on Tiger. Do you believe that Tiger was offered damn near a billion to do it? And what about yes. what I just said about the four, go- four guys? I-, I think they're popular because they were perennial winners and they've done it over a really long period of time, so they built up their fan base. Um. I honestly believe to your devil's advocate that it's, it just isn't that important. I just don't think that it, I don't think there's a fan of Bubba Watson that is just a fan of Bubba Watson. Now Bubba might be his favorite player, but that fan is a fan of the PGA tour. And I just don't see someone digging around on the internet to try to find a YouTube broadcast. that's going to pick Bubba Watson up starting on the par three (laughs) thirteenth. I just, I just don't see it happening, man. I just don't, I don't see it to sham, I just, I think these guys are, like I said, I'll never put my hand in someone's wallet. I'm just saying, I don't think the PGA tour has a whole lot to worry about, about eyeballs leaving the tour to go watch live golf. Now, when Phil's in contention, if he's ever in contention, you know, if Phil's in contention and on live golf, you know, they may get a, a higher broadband uh, watch rate than they do when Charles Schwartz was winning. I will tell you, the junior golf events get more people to watch their event on television than streamed the first event. I mean, it, the numbers were, it's a big story. I believe this is their five minutes. But the number of people that actually went through the process of streaming in the deal is so small and I think it will only get smaller that I just don't, I don't see the tour having a ton to worry about if they can keep their core young superstars. And by the way, this is how good. I mean, RBC, RBC Canadian this week will be one of the top six or seven Ooh. tournaments of the year. I mean, you could not have asked for anything. You know, if the tour needed, if the tour had one wish, they used it this week and they got it. Because what they got was must-see, unbelievable television with new superstars that everybody knows their name. Uh, you can, you know, the, the old test. You can ask your wife or your or your mother or your next-door neighbor that doesn't follow golf. Do you know who Rory McIlroy is, and they're all going to say yes. Uh, I actually, 
I agree with everything you have said. That's why I've been begging you to come on because you're the best interview on this stuff. You are. And I, I, I think you're making total sense here. Oh, probably and the this best is going to get replayed. I, mean, I, 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 I could do the same thing on football. It would be better or baseball. I mean, the reality is the reason we don't, I don't come on a whole lot is they'd switch us out, Dan, and I, you'd be calling into my show. I ain't mad about it. I'll, I'll do whatever. You, I, hey, look, as <laughs> long as they pay me, I'm like the Mickelson of radio, baby. You know? <laughs> All right, who's going to win this week? It's U.S. Open week. You know what this week is, don't you? This is vasectomy week. This is when I got my vasectomy because it's a U.S. Open, baby. Who's winning? What do we got? What are we betting? Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of things into play. Uh, I certainly think the USGA is going to try to try to make this uh, old-fashioned, really difficult, uh, tough, rough. And, you know, I think that you can – I the thing I love about majors is it eliminates 90% of the riffraff. And you're down to 10%. You have to choose that 10% on who's going to play really well and who's going to compete. I'll tell you a guy that I think is sneaky good this week that no one's going to be on is Jordan. Uh, he's been, you know, he's gone through a lot of different things with his swing, with his mental, with everything, and he's been off the off the stage for a while. I actually think Jordan plays really well this week, and the number you can get on him is off the charts. I mean, he's he's not a, a betting favorite, so. Uh, I like Jordan for a kind of surprise some people because, like I said, he's kind of dropped off. He's certainly no longer in that conversation with the Schefflers, with the Burns, with the JTs, with the Rorys. Um, so, you know, if you want you want to go off the wall and make some real money because of the odds, I like Spieth. Who else? <laughs> At making birdies, Dan. You know you know the drill, don't you? Yeah, but I can't get you there if you don't give me something good. Give me some stuff. Right. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I give you some stuff. When, when I, the, the main thing I'm going to look for this week is I'm going to look for driving accuracy and iron play. Morikawa and Victor Hovland have both had uh, below average years. They've both been kind of off in the, the distance, and I put them in that on the doorstep of superstardom. Uh, I think Morikawa is being in behind the weeds. And this is a guy that's already won major championships at 23 years of age. I think Morikawa is another really, really strong play this week for the United States Open. What about Sam Burns? What, what, what about that guy? I mean, he seems to be every week. Cam Smith, those two guys, every time I turn a thing on, maybe not this past week, but I feel like those two guys are always sniffing it. Yeah, Cam Smith, I'm down on this week. I'm definitely fading him. He's probably played a little bit too much golf. He's worn down, and he drove it miserably in Canada, miserably. And, and he, he won't make the cut if he drives it like that here. Uh, Burns, you know, Burns, Justin Rose, uh, two guys that you could take from Canada. Rose, of course, shot 60 on Sunday. But Justin Rose starting to find it. Great ball striker. Once again, you're talking about a guy, the guy that will make you a millionaire on the betting line, Danny, so far down the list. But Burns is, is obviously a favorite because every time he plays, he's a lot like Scheffler. They're C-game top tens now. 
That's why you see him. He didn't play great in Canada. That's when you know you have something different. And you watch Sam Burns in Canada and really didn't do a whole lot great and finishes fifth. That's when you're like, okay, this is why this guy's won three times. When he does play well, he's going to win. And that is what generally one of the really good players is going to play well at the majors. That's why you so rarely, I mean, almost never have fluke winners in majors. It's almost always a star because they're all there. And one of them is going to play really well that week. And I'm talking about the 10 guys. That's why I say every major I go in and I get my list down to 10. And I would say I'm at about a 99.9% win rate as far as the 10 guys that I identify as being able to win. And I've done this on your radio show before where, I mean, you can say, oh, it's easy. You're 10 guys. Hey, listen, 10 names guaranteeing you a winner at 99%. That's a, there aren't many people in the betting industry giving you that. Give me the 10. <laughs> well, certainly you're going to start with, with Scheffler and Burns just because they're better than everyone else right now. They're the best players that are playing the best. I gave you Spieth as my dark horse. I gave you Morikawa and Hovland. That's five. And then you, you kind of have to start nitpicking to get your next five guys. Those aren't necessarily, like for example, Tony Hey, oh, he can't win. He can't win. He lost again this week. Here's the deal. He's as talented as anyone. His last two starts have both been top. Tony now plays well at this U.S. Open. He's on my list at number six. Uh, and then certainly, you know, a guy that is the complete mystery of the PGA Tour, more so than anyone else. If there's one mystery this year, it's John Rahm. John Rahm, you remember this last year. I said John Rahm is, is entering Tiger territory in that he is that much better than everyone else. And that's not been the case in 2022. He has been not at anything close to the John Rahm that we've seen the last three years on the PGA Tour. With that said, he hits longer, he hits it straighter. He's got the best shot game out of everybody. Uh, so a lot like Rory did this week, we always talk about when the best players in the world play well, they're unbeatable. Uh, I don't like Rory going back to back, so he, he is not even going to make my list of 10. But I will put Rahm on there just because his talent is so obscene, Dan, that, you know, if it, golf's a funny game, and, and you know it from playing it. You know, you have a day when, for whatever reason, the ball just keeps going straight and the putts just keep going in, and, I think Rom just needs to see that once and everything will click back into place. Got three more. <laughs> what are you hurting for time, Double D? Three more. Well, certainly when you're certainly when you're looking at the US Open, you can take a guy that doesn't necessarily have the distance or the necessarily the, you know, a guy like Webb Simpson is going to be a, a, a good bet this week because he's a fairway finder. He's been punished. I like Webb Simpson, someone that you certainly put into the bag of tricks and say, okay, uh, you know, I'll put, I'll put Webb on my list. Um, you know, certainly we're sitting here on a Tuesday. There will be some, 
when I run the algorithm, it's going to pop out two or three names that ultimately uh, go to my top of my list. And those will be, you know, like I said, ultimately on Wednesday at Making Birdies on Twitter at Making Birdies, B-U-R-R-D-I-E-S. You'll you'll get the final <laughs> ten, and I'll and I'll guarantee you, Dan. I'll guarantee you that I have the winner. I know you will, and people will bitch when you give it out. They'll say, "Well, of course those guys are going to win." Well, I mean, all you're doing is giving them winners. That's what ma- you didn't give me the last two. Well, like I said, I'm. I'm- you're breaking up, is what you're doing. I can't hear you. You apparently went into a bad area, wherever the heck you are. Ryan, thank you so much. I'll text you later. I can't hear you. Let's, uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we had a lot of stupidity. We did. We had a lot of stupidity in baseball. But I thank Ryan Burr for coming out. It is. Making birdies. B-U-R-R-D-I-E-S. Look, he does give it to you. He does every single week, every single major. He'll give it to you. People will say, well, golly, if you're going to pick Scheffler and you're going to pick this and then, okay, well, I'm just – there's a lot of golfers. When you look at a betting sheet for a golf tournament, oh, yeah, I forgot about Sergio. Oh, yeah, Dustin. He didn't mention Dustin. Oh, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. He didn't mention that guy. He didn't mention this guy. He didn't mention that guy. A lot of guys out there – and he gives you ones that he thinks are going to win. So there you go. All right. Uh, look, here's the deal. Sam Burns every week plays well. All right, we come back. Man, there was some stupidity yesterday in Major League Sports. Also in government. We'll be back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Making birdies at M-A-K-I-N-G-B-U-R-R-D-I-E-S is the site. Yeah, I'm wearing my own name. It's a biggins day. That's right. We celebrate on my show. Should do it here, too. We celebrate with call-ins if you're a big old guy, big old gal. You got to be big. I'll get you a T-shirt. I'll get you a Making Birdies T-shirt. We'll get into that at the end of the show. But there's a lot of stupidity yesterday. Um, Baseball has just gotten dumb. I'm going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. Okay, great. But yesterday, and this is a tweet by James Fagan, this is unconscionable that this could happen. White Sox lose to the Rangers 8-6 in 12 innings. Among everything else from a crazy afternoon, the game ends with Luis Robert getting thrown out, trying to advance to third, on a flyout in a two-run game. Now, Dummy says, well, he's just hustling, man. No, he's an idiot. You're down two. You're on second. Your run does not matter. Every baseball player, if this guy, Robert, has ever been taught anything in his life, uh, you know your run don't matter. You don't get thrown out in third at third. A third out at third is a – look, you all get mad about these cardinal rules, but they're there for a reason. A third out at third is just idiotic. It's not really a cardinal rule. It's just stupid. I hate stupid baseball. Like, that should never happen. I will promise you in my entire Little League high school and college career playing baseball, that never happened. My high school baseball – program is the best in the state and the best 
the state of Indiana has ever seen. They're going for another state championship this weekend. I guarantee you, one of Dave Pishker's players, who is the head coach, would never do this. Fly ball, right field, you tag, you look, you stay. Because your run don't matter in a two-run game. Well, it gets them one run closer. No, it gets him to third. Well, there's lots of ways to score from third. Yeah, I can't talk baseball with you. You're an idiot. But Louis Robert represents everything that's going wrong with the White Sox. Or let me back up. That play represents everything going wrong with the White Sox. Why, you ask? Well, because they have become a crazy-ass, disorganized, dysfunctional, bad-playing team. They bought into their own hype. They bought into who they think they are supposed to be. See, when you play on the north side in Chicago, people, which is Wrigley Field, people actually care. People actually say, well, you know, we're expecting you to win. People come out. They come out and they sell the place out. When you play on the south side, he's one of us. He drinks old style. No, I'm sorry. He drinks oh, on the south side. Just true story. Modelo, Modelo outsells Budweiser, Bud Light, and Miller Light combined. So you drink a Modelo on the south side, old style on the north side. Yeah, that's true. That's what you do. So this guy, you know, now you have expectations on the south side. And they are miserable. This year, they're not fun to watch. They're stupid. Their manager is getting chance fire, Tony. It's a train wreck. And to make things even worse, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to the south side, when you go to Comiskey or whatever, that guaranteed rate field, they don't even have good bars around them. We can go to McCutty's. It's all right. No. Like, you know what White Sox fans do? They tailgate. Great. Get out the fireball so big fat Southsider can eat sausage, have fireball, and fight in the stands. It's what they do. I don't even know what to tell you. Well, I do know what to tell you. This does not surprise me, and if a guy doesn't know not to do that, I don't think that's Tony LaRusso's fault. Hell, I know how. My son knows not to do that. You, and he's 28. His son will know not to do that. My dad knew not to do that. I knew. My brother, my sister knows not to do that. Stupid loses more than smart wins. Remember that. All right. Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell is an NBA guy that is actually of some acclaim. All right, Montrez Harrell is like a tough guy in the NBA. He's, he's kind of made his bones. He's made $35 million, Montrez Harrell has, playing in the NBA. It's a great story. I mean, you know, he was going to play, I think, for Seth Greenberg, went somewhere else. I don't know. Montrez Harrell was arrested with three pounds of weed in his car and charged with felony drug trafficking. Now, NBA guy and noted ESPNer Matt Barnes said, three pounds? That's a summer smoke. That's the geniuses that ESPN, there you go, keep counting, are putting on your television. 
He was driving a Honda Pilot. Montrez Harrell got arrested. Now, the street value, what I have been told is about $9,000. That could be wrong. I saw one that said six, but it's Biden inflation, baby. So that is about nine grand. Now, they charge him with trafficking because the idea is a guy driving a Honda Pilot in the middle of Kentucky must be wanting to sell it. Look, I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true. A lot of dummies are saying, well, you know, it should be legal. Fine, it should be legal, but it's not there. I should have hair. I should be, uh, I don't know. I should have a 12, never mind. I mean, what are we doing? So he's driving a, quote, fully loaded, see what I did there, pilot. He got three pounds of weed. He gets stopped. You know what's coming. Why'd they stop him? You know what I mean? Hey, look. You've made $35 million. Can you pay a guy to be the mule? You know what the mule is? The mule is the guy that, hey, look, we'll carry the weed for you. We'll get it from here to where it needs to go. This reminds me, I don't know, drug stories amuse me. Like Aaron Andrews, her husband, I think then boyfriend, got arrested going down to Caesar's pool with whatever the date rape drug is years ago. It amuses the, what's his face, Randolph, Zach Randolph, like had more weed in his car one time. Those things amuse me. He can be fined between 1,000 and 10,000. It's class D felony, first time offense, potentially five years. They ain't going to jail. But you know what this does for Montrez Harrell? What this does for Montrez Harrell is it gives him street cred. That's the world we live in, man. That's the world we live in. Apparently, uh, he had a test made by a state trooper, you know, and there you go. So it just Sanders says this is a big nothing burger, but if you have three pounds, why would you say you have a small amount? Well, maybe three pounds is a small amount to Montrez Harrell. I don't know. Matt Barnes, who you see on ESPN. Oh man, that's a summer smoke. There you go. The problem, I, you know, I don't care. You want to smoke weed, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care what you do. You know, I, I just live down here in my compound. I don't bother nobody. I don't want to be bothered, you know. Uh, I'll get naked, swim in a pool. I'll, I'll get on a boat and fish. I mean, I'll do whatever you want. But if I got $35 million, I got to tell you, one of my boys from back home is carting the weed. It's just what's happening. But the reaction's great. I love Matt Barnes, man. Oh, man, that's a summer smoke. Go get him, Matty B. <clears throat> All right. The responses of this have been really stupid. On February 17th, Brittany Griner was stopped at the airport, detained, and she hasn't been out of prison since. It's now June 14th. June or February to March, one month. March to April, two. April to May, three. May to June, four months. Four months in the slammer over cannabis oil or whatever the hell it was? What are we doing? See, again, the reaction has been insane. Well, she broke the law. Okay, she broke the law, but this is what she got, life sentence for bringing cannabis oil? I said at the time, if you're going to do dumb things in a country like that, 
then guess what? Bad things are going to happen to you. And I said it at the time, but now, come on, enough is enough. I mean, look, I get it. You want a detainer. You got strict laws. You're mad at the Americans. Okay, but we're talking about four months. And I got to tell you something. When Steve Alford took his UCLA team over there, and that one little clown, uh, Ball, and his buddies on the team went and got arrested for shoplifting in China, Trump got him out like within days. This is what I say. I said to other guys on OutKick, there was a respect slash fear of the Trump administration. You may hate the Trump administration, and that's fine. That basically fueled the last election, that and a bunch of harvested votes, but that's fine. Look, if that's what you want to do, then you do you. But at least Trump understood and said, wait a second here. We're not taking our people. Hell, Obama, what did Obama do? Obama gave up a bunch of war criminals to get people out. Trump said, get our guys out, get them out now. They got them out. Man, this weak-ass, dim-witted president that we got and his weak-ass, dim-witted, bought-and-sold buddies in politics can't get Brittany Griner out. You guys tell me, Trump's the racist bad guy. This guy is down for the cause, good guy. This guy hadn't done squat for minorities. This guy hadn't done nothing. And if you want just a representative of that, and again, it always goes to Trump for these clowns. The whataboutisms are out of their mind. Trump just went and got Ball and a kid, Cody, whatever his name, the three kids out of China. China, for crying out loud. China. This dude, because they don't respect him, they're proving a point to his dumbass. They, he can't get one person out of Russia. I don't give a damn what you think of Trump. He'd have got that done, and you all know it. Of course you all know it. Everybody knows it, unless you're just such a stone idiot that you're so blinded. This is another incredibly ridiculous faux pas by this administration. They can't get squat done because they're not respected slash feared. And in the world, I got to tell you, I want my country respected slash uh, feared, period. I don't want them looking at us with a bumbling idiot for a president that doesn't know where in the hell he's at. Now, I get it. I'm telling you, the reactions are unbelievable. Well, she broke the law. Fine, she broke the law. It's been four months. Time to get her out. It's time to get her out three months ago. Let me guess. Uh, Kevin Meyer, I'm just guessing. Is it because she broke the law? Yeah, you're just guessing, jackass. But it's been four months. It's been four months. And that's your answer? That's your answer. Your answer is, I'm just guessing it's been Uh, She broke the law. Well, yeah. Do you know how weak we are right now? Joe frickin' Votto says because they're breaking the law means something. Really? Four months? There had been a trial. Kurt Correll, one of the dumbest clowns. Didn't Dan say when it first happened, that's what you get when you break the law? It is. That's exactly what I said. But now it's been four months. Don says she broke the law in a foreign country. 
The more people complain and want to release, the more valuable she is to them, the less likely they are to strike a deal to release her. Everybody is an expert on health. Now everybody is an expert on foreign policy. Okay. All right. All right. Joe, who is an expert on foreign policy, uh, but not an expert on dieting, it's not because of anything else, but that she's a famous American and speaking out to get her out is hurting her chances of getting out. The more people want her out, the harder it is. None of you understand. Yes, we don't understand. Only you do. People got to understanding viruses so quickly, death rates so quickly, masks so quickly, vaccines. Oh, my God. Everybody's neighbor was an expert. I'm just telling you. Is she the one that couldn't stand for the flag? Who cares? It's been four months. I mean, I don't know. Sean King says, I'm leaning toward the not very popular. She's a gay African-American female with a trace amount of controlled substance. That's exactly what she is. So why is she in there for four months? Man, I don't get it. Uh, All I will say is this. Um, We have... Sebastian says, be careful where you're being stupid at. Well, I got to tell you, there's a movie called Midnight Express that in my world, every parent made us watch. Like my parents made me watch it. It's about drug smuggling in Turkey and what happens to when you get arrested in a foreign country. So I totally get it. But it's been four months. And to me, anyway, maybe I'm totally off on this. Brittany Griner being in a Russian jail for now four months. Yes, she's a pawn, I assume. Yes, she is a piece to be traded. But it is because of our weakness. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If you don't understand it, you're just a stone idiot. And I've gotten to the point where if you are, in fact, saying anything favorable about this current administration for the people of the United States. You're out of your freaking mind, and I got nothing to do with you, and I've never been that way. But this is such a catastrophe on every single level. I mean, this is a catastrophe. This administration is a catastrophe at the most micro level, at the biggest levels, at the level of just simply helping people. Caused record inflation, doubled gas prices, lost Afghanistan, opened the southern border, tanked the stock market, wrecked the supply chain, allowed a baby formula shortage, ignored a national crime wave, can't get an American out of a prison like the previous president did like that. That all is from a uh, Twitter handle called The First on TV. I don't know if I'm allowed to quote it or not, but it made sense to me. That's what this administration has done. And there are idiots out there that still defend this. And the only way they defend it is, well, Trump was mean. He said grab blank. He said this. He cheated on his wife. I don't give a shit about all that. Caused record high inflation. Within 505 days, this is what we got. Record high inflation, doubled gas, actually tripled gas prices. Got our ass kicked in Afghanistan. The southern borders are wide open. Tank the stock market, wreck the supply chain. Allowed a baby formula shortage, ignoring a national crime wave. What do we forget? I'm not even a political guy. But hell, I can see that. But... 
but, but, yeah, okay, but, all right, yeah, what, but what? Jesus, how stupid can you be to blindly follow this idiot? And honest to God, uh, you know, I'm not even going to go to if Trump had let Brittany Griner in. I don't understand why African-Americans think this guy's the savior. I'll never understand. But again, I'm a white guy. I shouldn't understand it, I suppose. I'm told that all the time. Yesterday, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN talking about white guys. Hey, look, I'm just a white guy. But I got to tell you, I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. And the people that I know from that neighborhood, African-American, they're like, "This, this guy's an idiot. Charles Barkley, well, I'm not even going to get into it. Last thing, gas prices are 525 here. Let's let that marinate just a little bit. Gas prices across the country are the highest they've ever been. Now, I get it, but other countries have high gas prices. Do you know my son was conceived in Munich? And when my wife and I were in Munich visiting my friend Uwe Block, gas prices were three times as high as they were in the United States. Gas prices overseas have always been incredibly different than gas prices here. But the only thing the morons have is, well, you know, inflation's everywhere. Why don't we be a leader? Why don't we be a leader? Why don't we lead? Why do we fall in line with the rest? We're supposed to be the best country in the history of Earth. And yet our excuse is now, well, other countries have it. I was listening to that idiot. I don't know what her name is, uh, but she is the new press secretary. Those of you that know me know that my dream job is not to be the head coach at Indiana. My dream job is to be the press secretary for the president of the United States. That has always been my dream job. And anybody that truly knows me knows this. But this woman yesterday got up there and started, when Peter Ducey asked her about the stock market, she basically said, well, you know, we're trying, but people are fine. They made so many gains off the stock market early that they're fine now. Can you be dumber? I know she's a brilliant woman. Now, we all know it's called the Mike Davis effect. Mike Davis became the head coach at Indiana after Bob Knight. You see this in coaching all the time. Mike Davis used the discipline, the smarts, the toughness, and all the stuff that was instilled in Indiana's basketball program for 28 years by Bob Knight. For the first few years, it hadn't worn off. He goes to the NCAA championship game. After that, the program is a complete train wreck. It is a mess. He doesn't even show up for a game. Everybody in coaching understands this. Well, this is exactly what Biden got. The economy was humming. It was rolling under Trump. We had a businessman that understood business running it. Yes, he sent a mean tweet. Wham. So Biden got the residual effect of that for, I don't know, a few months, six months, whatever. And now we are in Biden economy. Now we are in Biden world. And as the do-nothing president, the biggest do-nothing president of all time, Barack Obama said, never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to F things up. And we are in the middle of it, and there ain't a damn thing we can do about it except vote and get these people out of there. Honest to God, we're held hostage by idiots. We're held hostage by people that absolutely don't care about you and me. You don't they care about power. They care about being in office for 50 years. If you think we're respected, you're out of your mind. Brittany Griner is a perfect example. If you think we weren't respected slash feared, 
when uh, Trump was in office, you're completely out of your mind. You're not paying attention. You just have a political leaning that won't allow you to think for yourself. It's not a surprise. We understand that. We all know that. But my God, man, think for yourself and look what's happened. Today in stupidity, gas prices are going nowhere but up. They're talking about $10. And our president legitimately doesn't care because he wants you to buy an electric car. At least that's one of the theories. 1984 was real, man. Here's one thing I worry about. I read 1984. I reread it, and I've read it three or four times. The thing that always got me, and I've said this before on the show, I'm looking at a camera, and I'm looking at a screen. And over here on my television, there is a television that has the dumbest show in America get up on it right now because I haven't worried about changing the channel. But in 1984, they talk about you're watching TV. Well, TV's watching you. And I always wonder about that. Like, I always wonder about when I talk about something on this show, all of a sudden I go to Facebook and that thing, Hey Dude Shoes, all of a sudden, after talking about it on my show, showed up in an ad on my Facebook. The world is insane. But hey, at least we don't have any mean tweets. <laughs> at least we got, what, uh, marches. At least we got pride, I suppose, huh? Uh, it is Tuesday, and I'm going to do some betting. Last night, I hit it big. I did. I hit it big. I took a flyer on Clay Thompson over 19 and a half, and he hit a three. He had, not, he had 18 points. Over 19 and a half going into fourth quarter. The dude had 18 points. 18 freaking points going into the fourth quarter. Hit a three, meaningless three, with about 20 seconds left. That three won me 300 bucks. I'd bet... 360 to win 300. There's a game at 115. I'm going to take the Cardinals and I'm going to pay some juice because I want to win $100. I'm going to pay $165. I'm going to take the Cardinals in game one over the Pirates. I like betting afternoon baseball. I legitimately never win. Legitimately. I don't. But that's all right. I ain't afraid. You want to hear a great segment? It's an irreverent segment. It's coming up at 1.30 on 107.5 The Fan. At least I think it's 107.5 The Fan. We just got sold yesterday, so I don't know what the hell's going on. But anyway, uh, it's called Biggins. It's at 1.30, 107.5 The Fan. People call in. They got to tell me how big and fat they are. Like, if you're 6'1", 180 pounds, you can't get on the, you can't get on the show. So I ask you, I say, how big and fat are you? 6'5", 370. Bingo. You answer a trivia question, you get a big and shirt. Businesses send me their shirts, but you got to be 3X or above. So it's biggins. I bet, well, I can't believe you're making fun. I'm not making fun. We're celebrating. Big and fat guys. I'm skinny from basically here, from here up to below my waist, other than, you know. But I'm a fat ass in the waist, in the middle. So we celebrate fat assery, biggins, 1.30. Our show runs from noon to 3 at 107.5 The Fan or 93.5 The Fan. All right. Thanks, everybody, Davey and Dylan and Jacob and Ryan and everybody behind the scenes. This show was awesome. It's the best show on TV. All you clowns that are watching on the YouTube chat, slide on over at noon. Come on. Rip my ass. Get mad, Ed Rogers. Get mad about something. But hey, how about we relax? 
How about we think? How about we think for ourselves and don't get so attuned to, yeah, but Trump. How about you say, man, I don't know. I look around. Violence is up. Hate is up. Hell, yesterday right here at the Walgreens, four people came right in, took whatever they wanted and left. Ain't right. I hope I'm never in a store where somebody walks in, takes whatever they want and leaves. That'd be bad for me. That'd be bad for them. That'd be bad for the store. That'd be bad because I'm not sure I can sit by and watch. But anyway, hope everybody has a great afternoon. We'll be back at it tomorrow. The NHL playoffs start tomorrow. Yeah, they do. Have a great, great afternoon. Take the Cardinals, pay the juice, and have a great day. Goodbye, everybody. Dockage out.